We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson. Zach Pearson. And Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming. Providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast as Rookie Minicamp is officially in the books over the span of the last three days over the weekend. And all the hype was on Justin Fields. We're going to break all of that down, a look at the rookie class, what happened at Hallis Hall, and a little bit more. First, let me welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lumming. Aaron, how you doing, man? I am good, man. We're getting – it's kind of crazy to think about it. Like, we're we're already, what, mid-May? What is today? Is it the – yeah, the 18th. I mean, we're already – yeah, we're already getting towards the end of May. I mean, we've – if you really think about it, I mean, we pretty much got, you know, we got a few things going on. We'll cover all this, obviously. But we got a few things going on in June in terms of, you know, the mini camps and, you know, the mandatory stuff. And then we got that lull. But even the lull – between the end of that part of the off-season program moving into training camp is the the bridge is probably going to be you know you know the the, the more the point the gap within the bridge is is going to be a lot shorter i would assume that they probably start camp a week later this year just because i think preseason starts a week later because there's only 3 games but i mean either way man i mean we're getting decently close i mean not crazy close but we're we're a little over 2 months away from training camp kicking off and and I think we can all agree at this point that, you know, regardless of how we feel about how the team is going to do in the regular season, I, I think we can all pretty much agree that we're going to have our eyes glued to Twitter during training camp for those who can't be there. And then our eyes are going to be glued on the TV for these three tra- for these three uh, preseason games. I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement and obviously a lot of it revolving around Justin Fields still. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, dude, it feels like the draft was yesterday, and it was, what, three weeks ago? Like, it's it's crazy how fast this is, you know, kind of flown by. And you're right, it's just going to keep continuing to go fast because by the time you know it, we're going to be hitting July, and that's training camp. And that kind of feels like a blur because then you get into the preseason. And then it's week one, what, September 12th uh, is week one? So it's going to kind of fly by, but – yeah, man, the hype, you know, has been around Justin Fields in this rookie class. And over the weekend, we kind of got, you know, scheduled for three practices, and the media was allowed for two. The third one was considered a walkthrough and then close to the, 
to the media for whatever reason, a little disappointing because we have, you know, limited time with these guys. And then the next week um, or not. Yeah. Next week's. So I believe it was the 25th was supposed to be OTAs. Those were actually canceled by the bears. They are doing some stuff, you know, at Hallis hall with players working out and kind of installing playbooks this week. And kind of one of the bigger talking points, you know, after the rookie mini camp and even in weeks before was how many players are going to actually show up to these OTAs before things get to be mandatory. And, you know, um, with those being the first ones on the 17th, which was yesterday, the Bears actually had a pretty damn good turnout. Um, ESPN's Jeff Dickerson reporting, I believe the turnout was 70% of the roster, which, you know, it stands around 90 players right now. So 70% is just around, what, 65 players, 63 in, in, in that area. That's actually a lot better than I thought. Now, as you and I were talking before um, this podcast here, that doesn't mean that all the starters are there. That means, you know, you're going to have your rookies, your undrafted rookies, the guys that they brought in for the weekend stuff, and then probably, you know, guys on your depth chart, maybe a couple starters here and there. We don't actually don't have the names. But this is going to be something to kind of pay attention to because it seems like it's an ongoing battle with the NFLPA um, and, and the teams themselves. Well, we've kind of seen it play out a little bit. I mean – Juwan James, you know, is training in the offseason by himself, which is technically against the CBA and tears his ACL and boom, he's down for the year. And the, the Broncos had a, you know, had a basically a clause within his contract. And, you know, all of a sudden they release him and they don't have to, they don't own that money. And, and again, I mean, I've always been pro player, but at the same time, it's, it's one of these things where, yes, they're voluntary, but ultimately, most guys have been showing up for this, and it, it seems like it's, it's kind of like a year reaction too late, but it seems like all of the sudden more, more and more players are having issues with a freshly signed CBA and how they're going about things. And it makes things, it, it just, it makes things interesting because, again, I mean, when you're, when you're kind of looking at what happened last year and moving into this year with the offseason and how things are working and with everything kind of starting to get back to normal after COVID, it's kind of one of those things where you'd, you'd like to see as many guys participating as possible. And, and ultimately, you know, what was it like last week? I think it was what it was when they kind of came out and basically said that they were going to cancel, you know, one, what next week of the, you know, the OTAs or whatever it is. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think teams are just going to kind of have to find a happy medium with the players to get as many people in the door as possible. Uh, you know, for a team like the Bears, for multiple other teams that have new head coaches, they have new quarterbacks, they have, you know, newer rosters in terms of all the additions that they've had, like the Patriots, for example. I mean, those are the kind of teams that are going to suffer the most out of this just because you want as much time during the off season as humanly possible to get these guys together and get things going. And obviously it's the same thing for the bears because whether or not you think Justin Fields is starting week one, unless something catastrophic happens or Nick Foles all of a sudden goes back to, you know, 2017 Nick Foles, um, you know, with Philly and wins, you know, with the, with the Super Bowl stuff, it's like you're talking about having a yet another brand new starting quarterback uh, moving into week one, whether that's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, we don't know. Um, and obviously that's a whole nother debate up for discussion that, you know, is going to be raging on basically until week one. But either way, I mean, the Bears are one of those teams that are more affected by the lack of turnout and the, you know, basically the 
just the overall kind of confusion as to what exactly is going on and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I think once they're able to get into the mandatory part of everything, and obviously we'll kind of have to keep an eye on the Allen Robinson situation and everything else that's going on. I mean, Eddie Goldman, there hasn't really been a formal announcement either way. You know, the assumption is that he's coming back, but there's there's definitely a few questions kind of lingering out there in terms of attendance and when these guys are going to show up. If I had to guess, I mean, obviously I think Eddie Goldman's going to play this year, but if I had to guess too, I think with Allen Robinson kind of uh, panicking and ultimately signing the, uh, you know, the, the, the franchise tag tender uh, the way he did so early in the off season, um, I, I would assume that that basically signals that he's going to be there because at this point, if he doesn't show up when everything becomes mandatory, then he starts losing quite a bit of money. And, you know, the reality of it is, is outside of the, the week or two mandatory that they're going to have in June, the next time that everything's going to be mandatory when he has the opportunity to lose money is going to be for training camp in late July or early August, whatever it is. And by that point, the the deadline to sign a, you know, basically a long-term deal with the franchise tag is going to be out the window. So, I mean, there's really no gain in it for him. There's no negotiation ploy because at that point, because of the uh, dynamics of the franchise tag, the Bears can't even really start negotiating a new deal with him um, you know, basically until the start of the new league year, the, you know, the, the negotiation, the legal negotiation period. So, it's going to be interesting, but, you know, hopefully for the Bears' sake, especially offensively, and it sounds like there was a pretty good turnout offensively, that's where the main focus has got to be at because obviously there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, and, you know, you are right in, in the sense that this is going to be something to kind of keep an eye on um, with the attendance over the next couple of days um, and weeks here with the non-mandatory stuff. When we get to the mandatory stuff, I mean, obviously, I feel like everyone is go- going to be there and we'll be kind of back on track. But the Bears have also kind of slowed things down a bit, too, and it's not only just canceling the well, not canceling, but making it a walkthrough for the final rookie practice. But Matt Nagy said they're not going to do as much as they've normally done on the practice field in terms of practicing. They want to get their playbook installed. They want to get these guys up to speed, and they're going to kind of you know pull it back a little bit. Um, and he even said, got to the point where he said, if you keep going full go in these sessions, you know, then that's when injuries hurt um, or injuries happen. Someone's going to get hurt. I don't know. It just kind of felt like I understand where he's coming from, but for me, it kind of felt like, you know, that, that preseason in 2019 where they did not play the starters pretty much at all. And they kind of just looked a little sluggish at times. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I kind of hate that argument where you don't play your players in the preseason. It's going to lead to non-success. I think, you know, a player like Mitch Trubisky obviously could have used some more work there. Um, but I understand why Matt Nagy did it. I, I actually do think he, um, apologized for it and said he was wrong. He should have played them. This is a little bit of a different you know, scenario, though, because they are going to have practice time with training camp and these mandatory um, OTAs coming up or mini camp coming up in June. So, But, yeah, that'll be something to kind of keep an eye on. As far as what happened at rookie mini camp you know, last weekend, man, it was the Justin Fields show. I mean, it was just everything was Justin Fields. It was the buzz, the confidence, his teammates praising him. He looked sharp out there. Um, he was kind of commanding the offense already, telling a wide receiver, you know, what he did wrong on a play, that there was a little confusion. Um, I even saw them having to restart a play because the receiver came into motion either too late or too quick, and then he had to talk to him about that, and then they redid the play. 
it was just impressive, man. And I joke because it's like those are the best rookie minicamp passes I've ever seen. And I know it's early on in his career, and we can't, you know, be fitting him for the gold jacket in the Hall of Fame. But for me, it just feels different. Something feels different about this. It feels like the Bears got it right, and it feels like they have – you know, the number two quarterback in this class, the the second best quarterback in this class behind Trevor Lawrence. And and we don't know how the careers are going to go with any of these quarterbacks, but it's just like, how did a talent like this kind of fall into their lap? Well, and you know, the, the unique uh, advantage that Bears fans have with Justin Fields in terms of getting to know him and watching what he did at Ohio State, and even before that in high school, you know, the Bears fans have a unique advantage in that aspect because Justin Fields has been regarded as, you know, essentially a prodigy going back to, you know, the beginning of his high school time. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting because in, uh, I think it was, was it Butkus Stats is the one that put it, put it out on, on Twitter, and I, I've retweeted it, and I, I don't know if you have or not, but you can go through it's on season two of uh, QB one um, beyond the lights or whatever it's called. It's basically that show that goes and kind of highlights usually what is it? Three uh, seniors a year. And Justin Fields is on season two and it's 10 episodes. I think each episode is like 30, 35, sometimes 40 minutes long, but you kind of get a deeper dive into, you know, obviously all these kids that are coming up, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence was also, I think he was a year behind Fields, but him and him and Fields were always kind of going back and forth, right, in terms of who was the best quarterback in Georgia. But you really get a good idea of who Justin Fields is as a person. And I know a lot of people when they, you know, when they, when they saw his, his reaction of being drafted and they see his press conference and they they just kind of see his demeanor, they're kind of wondering, well, maybe it's because he's not used to the media. No, this is just who he is. This is who he's been since he was in high school. I mean, this is just the family that he grew up in. He grew up in a very structured house. Uh, his dad, Pablo, was – or he might still be uh, a police officer. And, you know, he's he's always had a very strict regimen in terms of what he's had to do. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to kind of go back through and see just the overall progressions of who he was at 17 or 18 years old, you know, as, as a kid. And then, you know, he, he commits to Georgia where there was a lot of pressure on him um, to basically commit to Georgia, especially being from Kennesaw. Um, and he commits to Georgia. Obviously, the you know, everything kind of happened there. The, the racial comment was made by the second baseman of the Georgia uh, baseball team at a football game. And, you know, long story short, he basically ended up transferring out, ended up getting a lawyer, um, you know, and, but I mean, the, the dude is simple, smart, or super smart. He's been around a long time and we've kind of touched on it with the whole recall thing in terms of the cognitive testing and him having, you know, quote unquote, basically a photographic memory um, and having, you know, basically the highest uh, score that anybody's ever had within, you know, within that study of the sports psychologist. I mean, yeah, in a lot of ways, I mean, just on the outside, this feels completely different because, again, and this is not to trash Trubisky, but, I mean, let's just be honest here. Nobody's ever accused him of being intelligent. Like, he's not – he's just not that kind of guy. Like, he's not – I mean, that was – in my opinion, that was one of his biggest downfalls as an NFL quarterback is the fact that I just don't know if he has the mental capacity – to be able to digest an NFL offense, especially a complex one, and be able to run it. But then you look at a guy like Justin Fields, who had multiple Ivy League offers to go to school. He had, I think he was recruited by damn near 40, 40 colleges coming out of high school, 
goes to Georgia, transfers to Ohio State. He's always been an extremely intelligent guy, an extremely well-put-together kid, extremely athletic. And then, again, you know, kind of tailing back into this rookie minicamp where, okay, maybe they didn't do a lot, and obviously you've kind of expanded on that a little bit. But you seem to have echoed pretty much everything that everybody else there was saying. Like, this just feels different. I mean, even Brad Biggs and the guys at the Tribune that are usually – um, you know, pretty level in terms of how they kind of present their information and, you know, how they evaluate what they're seeing on the field. Everybody's raving about this guy. And I think, obviously, there's a hell of a long way to go. Don't get me wrong on that. But I think that when you when you compare that, and again, this is really all we have to go by, when you compare that, the, and Adam Johns did, you know, did a thing where he had the the rookie minicamp report from 2017, which somebody was able to find. And you go back through and you start reading about how many balls hit the ground with Trubisky and, you know, how confused and overwhelmed he seemed. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, well, this is kind of expected. And everybody was kind of making excuses for him and me included. Trust me, I was there at that training camp the first year. I mean, I was more worried about him looking better than Mike Glennon than him actually looking like a good quarterback that could develop. And then you look at what he, you know, what he looked like and what you said and what everybody else has said so far. And even with the, you know, Adam Hoag's, uh, you know, basically write up that he had on him. And it's just a complete 180. And I think that, you know, that alone, even if it gets us through the next few months, I think that alone is going to give, you know, fans a pretty a pretty good feeling moving into training camp. Because again, Zach, I mean, and obviously you know this, like you guys, the people who are there for these practices, you guys are the only gateway that we have, because I'm telling you right now, these little minute clips that they, that the bears put up, you know, and you know, they don't even show really the context of the pass and half the time they only show who's throwing the pass or whatever it may be. Like you guys are the gateway to giving fans basically any sort of information whatsoever, because unlike the Vikings and unlike uh, you know, the Jets and everything else where they actually have video out there of their, you know, their quarterbacks throwing the ball, the ones that they just drafted, the Bears have nothing. Yeah, and you're right on those videos. If you notice, they sometimes don't show the full context of the play. Like a receiver make a catch and they don't show which quarterback um, was throwing it to them. So, yeah, it, it's frustrating. I can only imagine how frustrating it is for fans. It gets frustrating for us too because the shooting periods um, that we have, a couple minutes, usually don't focus in on Justin Fields throwing the football. We got lucky with the one on Saturday. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, fans are just going to have to take our word for it. And looking back at the training camp last year, the battle between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, it kind of seemed like it was split between the reporters. You know, each one of us would probably give our daily thoughts on it and who won the day. Um, in the end, Trubisky won. But this was just kind of like consensus that, wow, it is different. There is something different about this kid. Like, he's good. He's actually good. Did the Bears actually get it right? And in, in addition, you know, we heard all the stuff, you know, we, we got to talk to Fields before minicamp um would have liked to talk to him after a practice but we got talking before and you know he had those those quotes of well if you're not out here to compete why are you out here stuff like that he, he wants to compete for the starting job but he also wants you know to, to respect and is going to do what um you know Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's plan is for him and then Nagy comes out and talks and says you know compliments Justin Fields his teammates Larry Borum Khalil Herbert they both had good things to say about him saying he's all business one thing that I really took away aside from that was he was accurate. And it doesn't really matter what drill it was, whether it was, you know, intermediate throws, um, kind of over the middle, anything like that, slants. 
he was accurate on almost every throw. The first practice, I think I saw three balls hit the ground. One was a flat-out drop. One was kind of an overthrow on a tight end, and one was just a miss. But other than that, I mean, I didn't really chart every single completion. He was sharp and accurate, and that carried over in the day two, especially in the 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 drills. And he seemed to kind of have that connection with Daz Newsom a lot. Um he was another guy for me that kind of stood out, and day one, Jesser Way was, was kind of building that chemistry with Fields, but it wasn't to where Newsom and Hit and Fields are at right now. That was kind of another bright spot for me, but it, it was just how Fields kind of took control of everything and was just calm, collected. He looked like a quarterback that has been in the NFL before and someone that's taking control of a huddle like a leader. and. I could honestly see if they do start in week one, I can honestly see him right away being a leader for this, not only the offense, but the entire team. Well, and he has that unique experience too, you know, and to kind of keep this in mind, he has that unique experience where he goes to Georgia for that year and he's got a transfer. And and, and that's the thing is, you know, not many people remember this. Nothing was guaranteed to him at Ohio State. When When he transferred in, he had to win that job. He had to win over the entire locker room and become that leader. And, and I think that's kind of key to kind of keep in mind moving forward is obviously this is a very different level and, you know, play speaks a hell of a lot more than anything else. But again, this is just who Fields is. This is just in, you know, in, in to kind of give a little bit of context for maybe some people who don't remember last year. And I, I can't, honestly can't remember how much we talked about it, but I remember talking to you after almost every single camp practice that you were at you know, talking about Nick Foles and Trubisky and just that battle. And it was basically, okay, somebody might have won the day, but it was more of the tallest midget type of situation versus, and again, obviously it was two days, very minimal practicing. We're going to have to see how things go. But I, I think that there's definitely something to be said for the fact that every single one of you guys that was there had the same exact thing. I mean, the, literally the same exact vibe that something just felt different. And, you know, you kind of point out the Daz Newsome thing. I think you're going to kind of get the, uh, you know, the Daz Newsome train uh, jump-started here in Chicago. <laughs> I'm is, the is, conductor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I liked him, too. I actually had a fourth-round grade on him. So, I mean, the fact that they were able to get him in the sixth round, and, again, I don't think he's ever going to be a star by any means, but I do think that with their current receiver situation and how much competition they're wanting to add – I do think that he's got a chance to carve out a role in multiple areas in terms of being a slot guy, in terms of being, you know, a kick returner or a punt returner. I mean, there's some value there. And again, if we go back this time last year, none of us are sitting here thinking, yeah, Darnell Mooney's going to be the Bears' second best receiver this year. He's going to be wide receiver two coming right out of the gate in week one. I mean, he was a fifth round pick. I mean, it's really not that much different than what Daz Newsom was. And again, I'm not setting those type of expectations. I'm just saying that. You know, again, the Bears, obviously, the, the their draft class, the meat and potatoes of that entire draft class start and end at Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. I mean, that's it. But I think, again, to kind of go back and recap the draft class a little bit, I mean, they still added some nice role players, whether that's Larry Borum, which, again, and I'm kind of curious to get your take on it. I mean, I know he's lost all that weight, but he doesn't look very athletic to me on tape. Um, I think he's going to end up being more of a guard. But then, again, Daz Newsom, Khalil Herbert, uh, Thomas Graham's another one that I'm kind of curious about because I think he could challenge for, you know, the, the starting slot or starting nickel position right out of the gate. And then and, and Kyrus, uh, I'm at uh, Tonga, you know. It's, so it's like even if you're getting depth and role players out of that, 
I still think that there's some value to be had in those final five picks that the Bears had in the draft. Yeah, and, you know, I was asked actually, like, how do you kind of evaluate this class at the rookie minicamp? Um, and I think you can evaluate the quarterback a little bit just because he's actually throwing, like they're actually running routes. There's some 7-on-7, 11-on-11. Seven seven, 11 11. I think you can evaluate the running backs and the wide receivers that were out there. Um, there was like one or two tight ends as well. It's hard evaluating those offensive tackles. And the main reason is is there's pretty much a you know a, a, a five to ten foot buffer zone. Don't get anywhere near the quarterback. And on one play Saturday, I don't know who it was, but they got within that buffer zone of the quarterback. They were probably like five feet from Justin Fields. And one of the coaches, and I can't repeat the language, but pretty much said, you know, get the hell away from the from the quarterback. And it's just hard, you know, kind of judging the offensive line. And the defensive line, because, you know, while they are doing 11 on 11 drills, um, they're not out there for seven on seven, but, but they're just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's hard because they're not really going full, you know, like Tevin Jenkins did it. Like I'll say this, Tevin Jenkins didn't do anything that I thought was awful out there. Like that'd make me concerned. And he didn't do anything that was great either. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's going to be a perennial Hall of Fame or a Pro Bowl and a Hall of Famer. But he also didn't really have the opportunity to do anything that good. Yeah, they did kind of go a little full speed and he held his own. Um, he looks very strong. But again, it's, it's very like it's not like they're designing, you know, a lot of plays to his side. There was one play where they, it, it was a design to his side. It was like a, a pitch or something like that. And he did seal off that edge really well. That was actually something I wrote in one of my notebooks that kind of stood out um, and allowed Khalil Herbert to get to the outside. But in terms of, you know, pass blocking, it's just, it's, it's very hard in rookie minicamp. I will say Larry Borum is a big, big man. That dude, he's got like tree trunks for legs, man. That dude is huge out there. And I'm going to be very interested. I do think if Fetty's going to win that job at right tackle, but I'd be very interested to see what, you know, if Borum can really challenge him and, and surprise people and win that job. The other thing I noticed and I thought was kind of in- interesting, and I'm going to butcher his name, is it it's Eason, Eason, um, the guy from South Africa that's the offensive lineman, Dieter. Um, I, I think I'm pronouncing his name Is right. it, uh, man, yeah, I, It's Eason, Eason, I think Eason, E-I-S-E-L-E-N. Yeah, Dieter, Iceland, Iceland, Iceland. Either way, yeah, I know. I know we have yeah. we have problems pronouncing names on this show. It's kind of <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, okay. So anyway, to the point. Yeah, he was actually working at center a little bit too, kind of getting those reps in, which I thought was interesting because I don't think he really did that at all last season in training camp. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to kind of go on with Thomas Graham, the big thing that stood out with him out there was he was playing at pretty much every defensive back position. You know, he was in the slot. He was on the outside. Um, and he's going to be able to line up in a lot of places. And he's not going to be like a hybrid type that like Isaiah Simmons is for Arizona or that new breed that we're kind of seeing in the NFL. But he's a guy where you look at outside of Dylan Johnson, the Bears don't have a starting outside corner. They don't have a starting nickel corner right now. It's pretty much Ken- Kendall Vilder, Duke Shelley, Trey Roberson, um, Artie Burns, Desmond Trufant, and Graham fighting for those spots. And I think his versatility actually really helps him because, you know, say someone wins that outside, 
position opposite Jalen Johnson, he can also compete in the slot. He wasn't a guy that I, was making a ton of plays out there in rookie minicamp. He got beat by Newsom on one play. There's a the video where Newsom makes that catch on day one. I, I believe that was the play. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. But I'm like 99% sure. But he's also a guy that I think his versatility is really going to stand out here in training camp and is going to give him a shot to win the job. Well, and those are the kind of players that are going to be interesting to watch. Because, I mean, like you pointed out, I mean, any of the linemen, defensive, offensive, I mean, the reality of it is, is even when they get pads on, you're really not going to be able to see a whole lot until they get into the preseason. It kind of cracked me up because they were talking about, well, we, you know, we're not just going to hand Tevin Jenkins the left tackle position. It's like, well, you just cut Charles Leno Jr. Did yeah. you, you, the, what, what else are you going to do? You're clearly not going to start Jermaine Effetti out there and, they don't really have another left tackle on the roster. So, I mean, that's that's pretty well set in stone at this point. But, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see um, just kind of how things progress, obviously, over the next few weeks. And once once everything gets into the mandatory time when they're kind of you – know, obviously, they won't have pads on, but you would assume that things will be a little bit more full go in terms of drills and stuff like that. Were there any undrafted free agents? I know people are probably going to ask about Charles Snowden, but I would assume it's probably the same exact concept of what you just talked about and kind of goes back to the linemen. And especially with defensive linemen, you can't get near the quarterback, so it's kind of hard to stand out. But was there any undrafted free agents, any of those veterans, or any of the even any of the first-year free agents, sorry, first-year players that they had on the practice squad or anything like that last year um, that came in that that kind of caught your eye? Yeah. Um, well, the thing with Charles Snowden was he's he wasn't full go either because he still got that um, ankle injury, and I believe that's. That's like why he dropped or didn't even get drafted because I was reading and it's like he had what a third, fourth, fifth round grade on him. I know it's kind of a wide range, but you know he didn't have a pro day, so he wasn't out there a lot. Um, he was doing some of the stuff, but he had he had that ankle. I believe he had the ankle taped up, so he was kind of doing you know not as much as you'd want him to do. I'd say, man, that uh, the kid from Coastal Carolina, the running back C.J. Marabel, he is quick. That guy is fast. And watching him and Khalil Herbert out there, you know, taking the running back reps, it's like, man, you could tell the Bears wanted some speed at that position this offseason. And they and they did it by drafting Herbert and then signing uh, Mirabella as the undrafted free agent out of Coastal Carolina. He was a guy that kind of caught my eye. Someone else that caught my eye, not necessarily because he was standing out or was making plays left and right, but it was nice to kind of see Trey Roberson out there. Um, on, on the field a couple times and, you know, just out there with the guys because he's a guy that was signed last off season, pretty much missed everything due to an injury. And now he's kind of getting his chance to, to come in and work a little bit uh, with these rookie mini camps. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show is these practices and these mini camps, they're going to benefit guys like Trey Roberson. I mean, he didn't have to go to the rookie mini camp, but he, he showed up and he was there. Um, the same thing with a couple other guys, like the Darius Mack was there. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy that might have kind of really stood out. Um, you know, Thomas Ives was there. He had a couple catches. I, I would actually say Jester Way was um, a little more impactful in the offense than I thought he would be. You know, I, I'd say the best wide receiver out there and not being a homer or anything was Daz Newsome. Um, but also, you know, Way was – pretty good he was he was pretty much right behind him in terms of you know catching passes and, and working with Justin Fields it's just it, it's it's kind of hard to evaluate everything just because you're not we didn't even really see the full playbook or anything out there so it's it's just kind of going through the motions getting the playbook installed a little bit and then also you know 
one thing I did find inter- interesting was Chris Tabor was actually running the practices while Matt Nagy was on the iPad. And it was pretty cool because they had Kyle Childress, um, who I believe is the son of Brad Childress, the former NFL head coach, out there holding the iPad and following the play around as it goes, essentially, so Matt Nagy could see. But it was Chris Tabor who was the one that was kind of actually uh, running the practices. Which is kind of interesting if you consider the fact that they've got – what multiple former head coaches on that coaching staff. I mean, Mike Pettin, um, Tom Herman, um, I'm just trying to think, I mean, they've got, just trying to think of who else they have. Well, they have uh was Bill Lazor? No, Bill Lazor was never head coach. No, was he? But, but he was an assistant coach. Exactly. So yeah, it's like, yeah, they got, I mean, that's, so yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely interesting. I, I think it's going to be, again, you know, just kind of keep beating a dead horse here. I think it's going to be interesting to see, how things progress going into, you know, June when everything's mandatory and when they can kind of go, not full go, obviously, but that little, that last little burst before training camp, because, you know, and this is something that kind of stood out to me a little bit too. And uh, that Matt Nagy was talking about, and he was talking about the, you know, they like their depth and they feel like they've, this is the best depth they've had in a while. Now I'm not going to lie. I don't agree with that assessment at all. Um, But I, I do think that there is some interesting depth and there's going to be some interesting battles because I think if you go and you look over the last few years, for the most part, you can pretty much project the entire roster. I mean, really outside of the kicking position and maybe some very, you know, some, you know, depth positions behind that are going to be like the 50, you know, 50th, 51st, 52nd, and 53rd guys on the roster for the most part because of how the Bears were constructed and because of their goals, they there was – you know, for the most part, the, the roster was pretty well situated outside of maybe an injury or two. And now I think this year, because of how they had to deal with things in terms of getting under the cap and then just really, I mean, again, to me, and, and, and who knows, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not trying to temper expectations here. Everybody's going to have their own because I, apparently I, I think they're going to be, you know, lower on the wind scale than most people think they are. Um, but you know, it's one of those situations where I think that this is a transitional year, maybe not to the fullest extent that it was for Minnesota last year when they basically cut bait with a ton of veterans, had a, you know, had a ton of draft picks and were able to kind of retool the roster a little bit, get younger, get cheaper. But this is definitely a transitional year, and it's kind of something else to keep in mind too is, I mean, they've got some free agents coming up next year that I don't think that they're going to re-sign, one of them being Akeem Hicks. Um, you know, obviously Danny Trevathan's getting older. So there's, it's going to be interesting because again, like when you, when you look at the depth chart, you know, I, I think there's obviously some jobs to be won out there and there's going to be some good competition, but I also think that the bears are kind of going to have to go into this thing, kind of keeping an eye on, you know, some of these other names, whether it's on the offensive line with guys like Alex bars, Lachavia Simmons, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, Arlington Hambright. And then obviously, you know, the two guys that they drafted, whether it's there, whether, you know, whether it's anywhere on the roster, even the defensive line, defensive back, running back, I mean, receiver, because the reality of it is, is there's going to be, especially now that, you know, you have to hope, obviously, that the Bears, you know, Justin Fields is going to pan in, you know, pan out to be the quarterback that everybody believes he's going to be. But you're kind of, in a sense, you know, you're not rebuilding by any means. You know, you're kind of retooling, but you're retooling on the fly, um, you know, in, in hopes that you can kind of cut some of the dead weight off. You can kind of get younger again, because that's one of the things that the Bears have not done a good job with over the last few seasons is getting younger going into the offseason or coming out of the offseason, more of the point. But really just kind of retooling and getting reset 
to be able to maybe not next year because I think they're still going to be a little tight next year against cap, not nearly as bad as this year, but they're not going to have a ton of money to work with. But I think in 2023, especially they're going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of spots opened up to where they're going to be able to do a lot more kind of like they did in 2018 with free agency. But again, there's going to be a lot of transitions this year, which is going to make for a lot of interesting position battles. It's going to make for a lot of interesting roster decisions because you're not just looking at who can help you the best this year. Maybe that, you know, maybe in, in years past, you're going with that, you know, that, that street free agent that you signed that's a veteran that has some experience. And this year, you may be going with the guy with the higher upside that's an undrafted free agent, or maybe somebody that sat on the practice squad last year. So I think in terms of, you know, philosophy, I think there's going to be some shifts just in terms of they need to get back to trying to find some of these diamonds in the rough, right? Some of these late round picks, some of these undrafted free agents, some of these guys that maybe they picked up that were cut from other teams that really haven't played any NFL games. Those are the kind of guys that they need to find a few diamonds in the rough with, because that was one thing that Pace did a really good job with when building the roster, when the original uh, window opened back in 2018, when they went through that rebuild is finding guys like Bryce Callahan, finding guys like Adrian Amos, finding those late round undrafted free agent guys, even Akeem Hicks to a certain extent where, um, you know, where you can basically, you can have that cheap control talent that kind of comes out of nowhere and at worst is depth and at best is, you know, somebody that can play a role for you. Yeah, I agree. And I look at this draft class and, and you're, you hit it right in the head when you said, you know, everything's pretty much going to depend on Justin Fields and, and Kevin Jenkins. And you look at it, if you, if Thomas Graham is a starter, if Daz Newsom can eventually, you know, replace Anthony Miller, if Khalil Herbert can be special teams value, um, if Larry Borum can turn even into a a legit backup that has to wait to get a shot, I think those are kind of, you know, all wins, especially if Fields and Jenkins are good. And if one of those guys, let's say, you know, Newsom or Graham, turn out to be a Darnell Mooney or um, someone that could be a starter defensive back, I mean, that's just an even bonus. So, yeah, you know, the Bears are going to – next year is going to be an interesting year because a lot of people have expectations for Justin Fields. And for me, obviously, you want to see the Bears go to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. They're just not a contender. And even if Justin Fields is really good, we shouldn't expect them to be a legit Super Bowl contender next season. What you want to see is Justin Fields come in, play, show you he's that guy, and then you kind of go into 2022 thinking, okay, we have some cap we can spend. Um, if this draft class that we just had pans out, you're in good shape. And you kind of try to rebuild almost on the fly in terms of your defense and add some pieces. So, yeah, realistically, I think, you know, you're looking, if everything goes right this year, 2022 is a year maybe they can shock a lot of people. The NFL, the thing with the NFL is, is like, it, it's so, it's it's one of the easier sports to be bad one year and then have a good year the next. Um, not necessarily be last place and, and go to the Super Bowl or anything like that. But, I mean, we saw what the Bears did in, in 20, from 2017 to 2018. You know, it, it's it's not as hard. It's just the hard part is getting to that Super Bowl contender level. So I, I think, you know, you're right. The Bears have to find some of these diamonds in the rough. Um, they have to start developing their own players, and you're going to have to develop Justin Fields. You, you got the part done where everything fell in your lap, and you took him. Now you have to develop him. I agree. I agree. And, you know, obviously I think the kind of the next step in the process for fans and, and, and just anybody who follows this team in terms of what what's going to come over the next few months is, I mean, there's going to be a wide debate, you know, kind of going back to fields here, you know, a wide debate when 
he should start this year, if he should start this year. And, you know, while I agree and while I will absolutely be, you know, throwing out my own thoughts on it, kind of already have, I, I think, you know, again, you know, in order to be a Super Bowl contender, you also have to have other things go right. And part of that is kind of ridding the roster of some of these poor free agent signings, some of these poor re-signings that you've had, guys that are getting older, whatever it may be, and then finding those diamonds in the rough. And again, I mean, the Bears are the one disadvantage that they're going to kind of have. And obviously it's all worth it. It feels, it feels as the guy is the fact that they're not going to have a first round pick again next year. I mean, unless something crazy happens, they're not going to have a first round pick. They're still looking at a situation where Allen Robinson is set to be a free agent. They're still, you know, they're still looking at multiple different situations where they're going to have to get creative. And, but again, I mean, this is a lot easier to go through and this is a lot easier to step into this season, step into this off season program stuff and, and kind of watch everything happen in the preseason when you know that there's at least a path out of mediocrity, there's a path out of quarterback hell for the time being. And I think that, you know, again, and everybody's free to feel however they want, but the way I'm going into this is saying, okay, even if the bears end up winning seven games, like I project them to win, you know, if Justin Fields gets in and looks like he's the guy, that's great. Cause I think you can go back and you can look at a lot of different teams with rookie quarterbacks. I mean, well, I mean, just look at last year, right? Look at, look at, look at how good Justin Herbert looked. I mean, he won offensive rookie of the year and they didn't have a winning record. So, you know, it, it's one of those things again, where, you know, the bears went from, you know, you know, a, a losing team and not looking great. And Trubisky didn't look that great to all of a sudden taking that step to 12 and four the next year after that. And obviously, you know, those little smoke and mirrors and that and year two for Trubisky, but either way, like things can turn in a hurry. So even if things don't go the way of a lot of fans want, where they have a winning record or they get into the playoffs or they win the division, whatever it may be, I, I still think because of the youth that they have on this team and everything else that's going on, uh, especially with fields, I mean, really, that's kind of the key moving forward. I think that there's still going to be a lot of fun things to watch develop through, you know, again, the offseason programs and then in the in the uh, training camp and the preseason and the end of the season as well, because you still want to see the development happen. And really that homegrown talent, that cheap, controllable homegrown talent is really what's going to open their window back up for another run after. I mean, I, I think we can all kind of safely assume at this point that their window that they had that Pace had originally rebuilding that opened in 2018 to slam shut. Now they just got to figure out a way to retool and get back at it. And obviously, I mean, the biggest thing out of all this all is finding the quarterback, but I also think that there's a lot of other interesting storylines to be able to monitor over these next few months. Yeah. And the bottom line is they have hope. They have something, you know, fans have something to hope for and to watch this year. Um, in, in terms of Justin Fields, it's, it's a good thing to have. And I'm with you, man. You have to hit on your draft picks. You have to make key free agent signings and kind of build this thing up. But, you know, it, it does go back. They They have hope and they have, you know, a shiny toy that they can kind of unveil whenever they want. And I'm not going to be mad if the Bears decide to start Andy Dalton week one. Um, if You'll know. Everyone will know. If Justin Fields comes out and lights it up in training camp, we'll all know. I, I won't be mad at either decision. I'm just glad that you know there is a potential solution to maybe their quarterback woes. Something that they have not been able to figure out in decades. So I think that's going to wrap up this show, Aaron. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL and you can read my work on thebearreport.com.
Perfect. You can follow the Bear Report at just Bear Report on Twitter, and then you can follow me at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. And we'll be back uh, next week with a brand new episode. Everyone, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. And until then, everyone, please stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.